Okay, so Romans 8. Therefore, no condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus, because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do since it was limited by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own Son in flesh like ours under sin's domain and as a sin offering in order that the law's requirement would be accomplished in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh think about the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit about the things of the Spirit. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. For the mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit itself to God's law, for it's unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, since the spirit of God lives in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ... He does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. Thanks, Pete. And if everyone could keep your Bibles open uh, at Romans 8. We are going to look at the whole lot, and I'll tell you why as we get going. Um, uh, And also, um, uh, it'd be good to point things out, because we read part of it, and you might want to follow things up. You also have an outline to uh, help you concentrate and remember the things that God's saying to us. Um, Please join me in a prayer as we uh, think about this part of God's Word. Our loving Heavenly Father, again, we just ask that you would speak to us through your word, that you would give me the right word to say, and Lord, I pray that we would be deeply encouraged and assured by your word this morning, I pray. Amen. Um, The words of uh, Romans 8 are some of the most uh, memorised and remembered and reflected words in the Bible. Um, I would be surprised if just about everyone in this room, if not just about everyone in this room, did not have in their head these concepts, one of these concepts, if not more than one of them, or even memorised parts of them, uh, consciously or unconsciously. This is such a warm, moving, encouraging, helpful uh, passage of the Bible. Um, So many key memory verses in it. Uh, But um, there's a few things to say as we head into this passage, and that is, um, although one of the the things we need to hold our heads in and make sure we're going into it with the right framework is that what happens is often, though Romans 8 reflects the struggle between sin and the spirit, that is all in us, it actually isn't about the struggle. Uh, Galatians uh, 5 is about the struggle in other places. This reflects the struggle, and so you probably in your Bible studies talked about the struggle, but it isn't about the struggle when we get to Romans 8. Romans 8 is about the, 
why you can be absolutely assured that you will be in heaven and you will make it and you've got no worries at all about being there, chapter. Not about the struggle, but about the victory. This is why you will make it and I will make it, though we don't deserve it, though there's nothing in it deserves it, though we are pretty bad performers, even the best of us, this is why you will make it. And that's why I prayed that we would be encouraged and assured because this is why you will if you're in Christ. And if you're not, you should get there. And so uh, uh, this is meant to be encouraging, but we've got to start here. And that is, if you've got your outline, it's in Christ is where we've got to start. Uh, we have to be in Christ. Uh, have a look at verse 1 closely. Therefore, no condemnation now exists for those in Christ. Not for those who are not in Christ. You've got to be in Christ. There is a must. There is a have to. There is a response. Then look at verse 39. Go to the last verse of chapter 8. And as it sums up the argument of nothing can separate us, it says, or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ. You see, this chapter of assurance and encouragement is bracketed, bookended by, in Christ, in Christ. The promises... The assurance, the, 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 the love that is being poured out through this chapter that so many people have held on to is written for those who are in Christ. You must be in Christ. He's writing to people who are in Christ and calling people to be in Christ. It's not for everyone. I don't know if you noticed in the sermon uh, at the, w the wedding that happened yesterday that that sermon could have been given by any celebrant anywhere. It wasn't particularly Christian. It wasn't about being in Christ. It was about love, which is what you do when you don't want to talk about the gospel. It's true, but it had no gospel in it. You could have done that without Christ. To be in Christ, it's got about Jesus taking your death and your penalty. It's about exclusivity only in Christ. It is he who pays our... It's only in Christ. You've got to be in him. It's not yours if you're loving and you're not in Christ. Even though Christ was loving and he sets an example, it's not his example that saves us. That's how we live. It is what he did for us in the cross you must be in Christ through Christ's sacrificial death for you. It is in Christ. Since chapter 5 of Romans, uh, uh, after the gospel has been explained, uh, Paul has been helping us to see these two positions, and that is a person is either in sin, in the flesh, in Adam, or they are in Christ. Now, we all started in sin, in Adam, in the flesh. We were all born 
in that way and we showed ourselves to not be in Christ, but we were in the flesh, in sin, and we were under the condemnation of God. But we need to be in Christ. We need to be moved from one position to another. And we need God to do that for us. Chapter 8 is about how God does that through Christ, through his spirit. He moves us from being in the flesh, in Adam, in sin, under condemnation, to in Christ, uncondemned. And so the question always has to be asked as we come in, are we into Christ or are we into sin, flesh and ourselves? What are we in? Are we into Christ or are we into ourselves and what we want even if we're religious? We have to be in Christ. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God moves us in Christ, and we'll see that. And so joining the team, the first word. What we've got to see is in Christ is joining the team. Um, we were in flesh's team. We were in sin's team. We were in the flesh. We were in the devil's team. But God, by the Spirit, sent Christ to rescue us from the kingdom of darkness and he transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. The spirit did that. He moved us from being in sin, in the flesh, to in Christ. We joined Christ's team. We changed sides. We took off the old jersey that had self and what I want and what I desire, and we put on Jesus' jersey in Christ. He helped us do it. We used to go this way, playing on this team, but God, by the Spirit, moved us, and we're now in Christ's team. He changed sides. We changed jerseys. The Holy Spirit did that. He moved us from one team to another. Uh, he got me to take off that jersey and to put on the other. He changed my direction. He you got it? Am I labouring this too much? Yeah, good. Thank you for nodding at that, Susan. I'm much pleased by it. That's good. Not that I'd mention your name out loud. Okay, good. You've got it. Good. And so uh, this chapter, the Holy Spirit is mentioned nine... I like that help. It's okay. 19 times. It's all about God the Holy Spirit. Remember, God tell, hasn't really been explained much on the run-up. The Spirit's got to mention, but chapter 8 is just there. He's taking it for granted. The Bible is taking it for granted. Paul is taking it for granted that we know that God has told us that he is one God in three persons. He is a relationship. 
He is the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, three persons that make up the one God, and all of those persons are working together for our salvation. The Father sends the Son who goes to the cross, and the Spirit is the one who joins us. They're all working together to save us, and the Holy Spirit's job is to move us, to be in Christ, to connect us, to give us what what Christ has won for us, on the cross and in his resurrection. In this passage, we have God did in Christ, spirit living in us. It's all ways of talking about how the three persons of the one God are working together to save us. uh, And it is by the spirit that the salvation of Christ was applied to us. And he moved us from being in sin, in flesh to in Christ. The first five chapters have shown us God's way of putting someone onto Jesus' team to be in Christ. Uh, He did it through the redeeming and atoning work of Jesus on the cross for us. He was paying the redemption price to buy us back from being in sin, in flesh, and he paid the price And he turned away God's anger from us so that now we are in Christ uncondemned. The Holy Spirit did that, applied that. God worked in us to do that. He did that as we listened to God's word, as we heard God's word. The Holy Spirit changed our hearts to join Jesus' team. And so we move from being in sin to in Christ. That's how we got on the team. The Spirit did it. God did it. And if you are not on that team, ask God to help you be on that team because you can't do it. He does it and then we join in and take it in what he's doing. Then once we join the team, we play on the team. You show yourself to be on the team. The way you play shows which team you're on. So chapter 6 of Romans looked at the obedience that comes from faith, from saving faith, from putting your trust in Jesus to save you and you join his team. He's now your captain and so he shows the obedience that comes from faith or the way the justified will now live. When we join his team, we have a characteristic Uh, We live by faith now. We live by trusting Jesus. We're behind him, following him. We're not behind sin, following sin. We follow him. And the characteristic, the game plan for those who have been transferred from that team to Jesus' team is that we now have the characteristic of obedience. Obedience that comes from being saved, from trusting Christ to save us. And it's the obedience that comes from faith. And when you go to Romans 8, and I said it starts off with the bookends of in Christ and in Christ, when you go to the book of Romans, the two bookends are the obedience that comes from faith in chapter 1 and the last thing in chapter 16, the obedience that comes from faith, to call people to the obedience that comes from faith. And so joining in on the team, the way you see people on the team is this obedience that is produced from saving faith. It is the way the righteous now live who are on Jesus' team. Um, Chapter 7 goes on then to talk about the struggle that we have in being obedient. 
the struggle we have in living the righteous life behind Christ. It's a, it's a struggle. And Romans 7 finished by telling us that I, do the thing, I want to do the things that God wants me to do, but I find myself disobeying. I'm a terrible player on Jesus' team. My obedience is not real good. And though I'm behind him and I'm on that team, I'm, I'm not doing that well. <laughs> What's going to happen? The answer to how am I ever going to make it when I'm so hopeless, is that, chapter 8, the Holy Spirit, stop thinking it's you. It's God who's moving in you. It's God who does it. And so, chapter 8, verse 1, the Holy Spirit, what does he do? One, he sets you free from condemnation. First thing, he sets you free from condemnation. Therefore, there is no condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you... Oh, I haven't been doing this, have I? i got little pictures. I'm just ignoring that one. Uh, where are we? Oh, yeah, I did that, didn't I? Oh, there we are, Team Jesus. That's excellent. I should remember. I should have let... Died this. Okay, you are free from condemnation. God, the Holy Spirit connects us to Jesus, who sets us free from condemnation. He sets us free with Jesus, who has paid the price. He sets us free with Jesus, who has kept the law for us, so that there is no condemnation. And he is helping us to understand that there's no condemnation for those who have joined Jesus' team. There is none. We are not based on our performance, it's based on his performance. And in verses 3 to 4, there's a summary of what we've learned in chapters 1 to 7, and that is our sin was condemned by Jesus who became sin for us on the cross. He paid the price of our rebellion against God. He fulfilled the law's requirement. He not only paid the price, but he also did what was right for us. And so we also got his righteousness. The Father did all that in Jesus so that now for people like you and I who have got Jesus' jersey on now, who are now in Christ, where the Spirit has put us, are no longer under condemnation. We are not condemned. Not condemned. Not condemned. You are not condemned. The Spirit is reminding you. If you're in Christ, you're not condemned. There is Your poor performance is not condemning you. Christ performed for you. And the Spirit has set us free from keeping the law to be accepted. And he has pointed us to trusting Christ who gives us his acceptance so that we are no longer condemned. Do you know that? Are you sure of that? If you're in Christ, you have it. He not only not condemns us and tells us that we're not condemned... Uh, but he also sets us free to walk in God's direction. Um, he now moving in, influencing us. He brought us under Christ. He moved in. But he's now in helping us to go to play on Christ's team. We now face this way. We used to face this way. We now face this way. He's helping us go Christ's way. Look at verse 4. In order that the law's requirement would be accomplished in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The Spirit is helping us walk. Walk in the Bible means live. Live on Christ's team, following Christ. 
He's in there moving us uh, to live differently, to go the opposite direction to what we used to go, to play on the team. We're no longer walking in the flesh, what I want, my way in sin, but Christ's way. That is the direction of our lives now. The Spirit is helping us, from the earlier chapters, put to death the works of the flesh that ignore God. He's helping us to die to the old person who lived for the flesh and lived for the sin and to live to the new person who is forgiven and uncondemned and lives for Christ. He has given us a powerful desire, a powerful instinct to want to obey Christ. It's an absolute miracle. Do you have the desire to obey Christ? You see, if you have the spirit, you do. I'm not saying it's not a struggle. But you had the desire. Before you were a Christian, you had no desire to follow Christ, no desire to obey him. But now there's a desire. The, the Spirit is giving us a desire, a wanting, a willingness, a thought, a influence to go and obey what God has said, to go his way. Not only has he changed our direction, he's helping us to go in that direction, he's also helping us to think to think. And so have a look at verse 5 and 6. For those who live according to the flesh think about the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit about the things of the Spirit. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. The Spirit has now put on our minds Christ. A mindset about Jesus. We used to only think about ourselves and the flesh and sin, but now we think about Christ as a part of our thinking. He's giving us a mindset that he is on our minds. Um, we never used to think about it, but now we do. It's great news that, you know, if you think about Christ, do you think that was you? He's saying it wasn't you. This is God working in you, putting Christ on your mind to change our thinking. You see what he's doing? He's changing our direction. He's changed our position. He's changed our team. He's changed our direction. He's changing our thinking. And he's changed our attitude to Christ. The Holy Spirit helps us to submit. Look at verse 7, 8 and 9. For the mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit itself to God's law. For it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, since the spirit of God lives in you. We used to be hostile to what God said. We used to ignore what God said. We used to ignore the things that he said. But by the spirit, he has softened our hearts, as promised in the Old Testament, that is, we are now no longer going to have a heart of stone, but we're going to have a heart of flesh. God is going to write his law in our hearts. That is, we have an attitude of obedience to him. He's now softened our hearts that we're not hostile to what he says anymore. We're submissive to what he says. Yes, we struggle, but we're now submissive to what he says. We care about what he says. It's an absolute miracle. Uh, we're alive to him. We used to be hostile, but now we're alive. Now we care about what he says. Now it annoys us when we don't do it a bit. Now it tickles at us as we don't do it. The spirit is making it alive because he softened our hearts to what God says. But those who don't have that desire don't have the spirit. 
So look at verse 12 and 13. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You see what he's saying? We've got this new way that is putting to death sin and going. We've got a heart now for obedience. We've got a, a desire to submit to him. I don't know how you have seen it in your life. We can forget we've been Christians a long while, a long while, but I can still remember a shock I had very soon after I was a Christian. I'd gone along to where I normally went and I was doing my usual check out the crowd for girls and what was available and who I might talk to. And I sat there and just as my normal habit and um, I remember that as I looked, I had this desire to please God in my sexual relationships. And I remember sitting there going, what is that? I have never, ever felt that before. I've never, ever thought that before. Where the heck did that come from? God had put on my heart a desire to obey him in my sexual life. That's an absolute miracle. You will have experiences where God has put in you desires to obey him, to be what he wants you to be. We struggle against them. We fight against them. They're not easy. We, we lived on that other team for a long while and we're now in Christ's team. But the Spirit is moving us and giving us desires to obey. It's the Spirit who does it. It's not us. And so the Spirit has brought us in Christ to change teams. He's made us join the team. He's helping us play on the team. He's helping us know that we are not condemned because of Christ's performance. He is setting us free to now walk and play on that team, to think. He's putting thoughts in our mind of Christ's thoughts, getting the Bible to stick and listen to it and wanting to know it and to submit to what he says because he's a good God. He's doing all that. And he is confirming that we are God's loved, adopted children and co-heirs. He is putting it on our hearts that we are his child and he is our father. Verse 14. All those led by God's spirit are God's sons. Now, when it says sons here, it's really about inheritance. It means it's not being sexist. Because the son got the farm, it's saying you have been adopted to the top position with Christ as a son. All those led by God's spirit are God's sons. And verse 16, the spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. How do you know God's spirit is in you? Well, here is telling he's testifying with who you are, that he is your father and you are his child, that you have been adopted in his family. He loves you. He's your heavenly father, our father, Abba, daddy. You are my heavenly father and I am your child. And you see, one way of testing if you have the Holy Spirit is, do you talk to God like he's your father? Do you trust him like a child? You see, that's what the spirit is doing. We have that attitude. He's not saying we're perfect children. 
Or he's a per- yeah, we, but, but we have that attitude. That's what the Spirit does. You've been adopted. You're in the family. You're uncondemned. You're loved. You've been adopted and you will get the farm. And that you will be inherited. Everything that God has for you, you will have. That's the Holy Spirit working in you. People who aren't Christian, people who aren't in Christ, do not have the feeling, the experience, the relationship of him being their Heavenly Father and them their child. That is God's miraculous spiritual work in your life. The Holy Spirit is also helping us to stand up under suffering and to look forward to his glory. And so uh, he, he is also helping us to not be ashamed of Jesus and his word. Um, uh, verse 17. And if children, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, seeing that we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him, for I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed in us. And so the Holy Spirit is helping us to stand up for Jesus even when it's hard, to suffer for him. And so it's not just the, the suffering of you know, life is hard as you get a bit older or a little bit strong. It is the suffering of Christ. It is the not being ashamed of Jesus because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. When this letter was written, you know that the, the, the Christian world at the time were under suffering. This is when they were feeding them to lions, throwing them on barbecue plates, sticking poles up there, you know what, and lighting them and using them to light fires. This is when this was happening. This is not written in a vacuum of, oh, you know, I hope it's not too hard to get out of bed in the morning and come to church and, and maybe do a ministry. It's not that, it's a suffering of standing up for him when the world is against you. And so the Spirit is the one who is helping us not be silent, helping us to, to, to be willing to suffer for him. This is the work of the Spirit. Um, I'm quite amazed that the whole Israel Falau thing that we looked at a few weeks ago, uh, that that just won't go away. It's just on him. They will not stop. As soon as it dies down, someone brings it back up again. They are on him anything for standing up and not saying what is politically correct and saying what the Bible says. How can he keep standing up in that public, you know, they're just throwing rocks at him. It's intense. How can he do it? Well, he can't. You know that, don't you? It's only by the Spirit, by God's help that he can keep standing up. And I know many of you are under the pressure to keep quiet in your houses, to be quiet with your spouses, to be quiet with your family, to be quiet at work, to be quiet amongst your friends. Even sometimes at church, your friends say, we don't talk about Jesus after church. We have that pressure. How can you ever stand up and not be quiet and speak up for Jesus everywhere? You can't. But by the power of the Spirit, you can. Speak up for him. The Holy Spirit is the one who is helping us to do that. And the Holy Spirit, therefore, as we come back in a circle, he helps us in our weaknesses. It's hard when we hear this stuff. It's hard to play on Jesus' team. It's hard to be in Christ, living there, standing up for him. It's hard to do that. It's hard to keep turning away from sin. It's hard to keep in step with the Spirit. It's hard to do And so we have the Spirit helping us in our weakness. I mean, you don't expect us all to be strong, do you? Be strong in the Lord, but we're all weak. You know that, don't you? And you all know it in our honest moments. We're all weak. Do you think I'm out here because I'm stronger? Well, most of you know me, so it's not true. It's not, it's, it's, we're all weak, but in him we're strong.
It's in here. He helps us with his weakness. Verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit also joins to help us in our weakness because we don't know what to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us and, and on and on and on it goes. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those are call, called according to his purposes. You know, we're told that Jesus prays for us, but here we're told that the Spirit prays for us. He helps us pray. Now, do you reckon you're going to make it to heaven if Jesus is praying for you and the Holy Spirit's praying for you? Do you think you're going to make it? There's no doubt at all. You know the Trinity, the triune God, answers their own prayers. <laughs> We're going to make it because it's not about you, it's about him. But he's helping us in our weakness, helping us to know what to pray. If only they say the right words, they'd say this. They're helping us to pray, helping us in our weakness to be strong, to play on the team, to be in the team. It's what God is doing. And lastly, he assures us that we are loved, that we are loved. Do you ever doubt God loves you because of your performance? You are loved. I am loved. We are the loved children of God. And so 31 to 39, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Who can separate us from the love of Christ? And the answer is no one. <laughs> In verse 37, No, in all these things we are more than victorious through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that not even death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate. Because it's God who does it, not us. Every time you look to us, you'll lose your assurance. You'll lose your strength. You'll lose your power. If it's, it's in Christ. But he does it. He's the one who put us in Christ. He's the one who tells us we're not condemned. He is the one who is keeping reminding us to walk and play on that side. He is the one who's helping us to walk, to think and to submit. He is the one who's confirming that we're loved. We're his children. He's his father. He is the one who's helping us stand up with whatever comes in our life for Christ. He is the one who helps us in our weakness. He is the one who assures us we are loved. Be assured. God loves everyone in Christ because of Christ. Be assured. And I put this poem on the end just because it's just, I find this such helpful. One, I hope you do too, but you might want to pray it or keep it. Lord, I am not the person I want to be. Lord, I'm not the person I ought to be. Lord, I am not the person I'm going to be. And I thank the Lord, I'm not the person I used to be because of the Holy spirit there is no condemnation for those who are in christ why because it's the spirit's work not ours